All right, let's, let's uh, burn this taco stand. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to the James Bond po- Complex, the podcast where we discuss the James Bond phenomena in all its shapes and forms, from Fleming to the films and everything in between. Oh, I'm one of your hosts, Edgar. And I'm Matt. And this is a very, very special episode for so many reasons. Uh, we are, if, if I can be honest, I feel like we're doing our first true James Bond complex episode. And there are many reasons for that. We, <laughs> we have a guest on the show. Uh, I don't know if we've ever really mentioned him. I think we alluded to him. We probably alluded to him in the past. goes by the name of Kim, Jason Kim. Uh, Jason, welcome to the show. Well, hello. I'm glad to be here with you guys. <laughs> so who who is Jason Kim? How do we set this up, I guess? I mean... Uh, I like- I'm going to let you guys do the introduction. I think you guys could do a better job than I can. <laughs> well, um, starts last September, September 2017. Yeah. Uh, something very special has us all converge, uh, unbeknownst to one another. Something very special has us converge to uh, Quebec City, which is a, somewhat of a major city in, in the province of Quebec. Uh, they have their film festival, the name of which escapes me. But Festival what, de Film de Quebec. Voilà. And one of the events happening there last summer was a theatrical screening of uh, Becoming Bond, which is the sort of semi-documentary, semi-fictional recreation of, of how George Lazenby gets the, the James Bond gig for Honor Match's Secret Service. And, and Lazenby was there in person for a Q&A and for uh, some autographs and, and some pictures. And we all... <laughs> We all saw the film, although not together, but it was while waiting in line <laughs> after the movie because we all had stuff to get signed and we all wanted our picture taken with, with George. We're obviously on a first-name basis with him. Hello, George. Hope you're doing well. And that's where we met. It just so happened that you know our, our trio was sort of bunched together in line. And I remember you had asked a really interesting Bruce Lee question because of the whole Bruce Lee story and, and the potential movie they were going to make together with George. Uh, and you were talking about how, how your collection and who you had met, and you had met Roger, and I was I was the first Bond I was meeting. I had never met any of them, so I was excited. I met Daniel as well, too. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. <It's laughs> Thanks for chipping in. Um, and, and it's sort of just a friendship, sort of just, just blossomed on the spot, which often happens when people who, who love something as much as we love Bond – uh, happens and 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 so there's actually we haven't me obviously me and Matt see each other fairly regularly. This is in person. This is technically only the second time we see Jason, but for the over the past eleven months we've been talking a lot over Facebook, just talking Bond and and just shooting the shit usually. Yeah. So we figured uh, you had announced like it would have been about a couple months ago or something like that you were spending Labor Day weekend in at Station MC Montreal, Canada. So we said, well, I guess we need to do a show here. <laughs> So you are officially, I mean, you're the third co-host of this show. I'm honored. <laughs> As you should be. So I guess we want to do like this like mini interview style, which will probably branch off to a, hun- a bunch of Bond topic conversations. Yeah, anyway, it's something. probably going to be like a sec- almost like a second uh, Bond debriefing. Oh, I'm sure we'll touch Bond 25 in some <laughs> shape or form. And everything in between. Ooh. <laughs> uh, during this episode, I, I have no idea how long we intend this episode to be. We'll probably cap out at about an hour, 40, uh, half an hour, 40 minutes, something like that. Because we do have an actual review to do. Yeah. Uh, so, Jason, why are you a James Bond fan? 
Oh, I've always been a Bond fan, and if you guys, I'm not sure if I've ever told you guys this, but one of the first movies I've ever seen in my life when I was still living in Korea at the time was Spy Who Loved Me. Is that so? It is. Because um, I remember when I first watched the movie, um, I, I, I was amazed when the Lotus Esprit came out of the beach, and I was like, oh, wow, that that's just something out of the miracles. That's, this is what movies are made out of, it's special effects at its finest. When I watched it in Korea at the time, I didn't know it was a Bond film. I didn't know what James Bond was. This was probably like late 80s, early 90s, probably early 90s because I was about five five at the time. And many years later when I was officially introduced to James Bond, you know, when Tomorrow Never Dies came out. And around the same time when Tomorrow Never Dies came out is when Night came out on N64. And all my buddies at the time were playing multiplayer with that. And since then, at the time, after I got introduced through those two elements, uh, I used to go to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video back in the day when those two enterprises existed and were profitable. <laughs> and uh, and I you know rented out almost every Bond movie with my parents. Not in any chronological order. It was mostly by availability. And yeah. When I came across Spy Love, I mean, my mom told me how she watched it in when she was in middle school at the middle school high school at the time because it came out in seventy seven. And when I rewatched this movie like in full with full not with full awareness and in, in its full entirety, I was like, wait a sec. I watched this movie. Like, I've seen this car come out of the water before. before. <laughs> it's not the first Bond movie I saw. It's one of the first movies I've ever saw. And since then, I've always been a fan. That, that's a great story. And, uh, just the fact that it's the first movie you've ever saw is, just warms my heart so much. <laughs> and I'm not the only person who says this. Both Christopher Nolan and Elon Musk said the same thing. And they were both inspired by just the magic of special effect of the Lotus Spree coming out. And we'll talk more about yep. my fandom of the spy will love me much later in the next yeah, episode. Yeah. This is okay. one of two episodes featuring Jason this afternoon or this month, whenever these things go up. Mm-hmm. So, so that that's fantastic. I guess you know we'll, we'll maybe go through the usual, just maybe two or three questions. So, so would you? Is is the fact that the spy who loved me shaped your love for Bond so much? Does that make it your favorite Bond film? Do you have a favorite Bond film? Oh yes, uh, I don't think I can pinpoint one out of the twenty four films. But I would, if I always had, at the moment, um, if whenever people ask me what my favorite Bond film is, uh, two movies I always come back to, and Edgar, the director Edgar Wright also says the same thing too, it is Spy Love Me and Skyfall. They're fantastic films. Great choices. I know. I don't think you're going to get any arguments from many people. I mean. And I always notice that typically from all that, all six actors so far, uh, or like three out of the six actors, um, that the third time was the charm for yeah, the, the third movie is usually uh, the definitive movie for that actor. That the one that sets his character and sets more the, the, the audience's reaction to him. Like uh, Pierce Brosnan was the war's done enough, and that movie is what it is. But uh, Goldfinger definitely it's the definitive Connery. And so is the Spy You Love Me for Roger Moore. This is. Well, we'll get there in a couple of minutes. But and Skyfall for Daniel. Yeah, Skyfall for Daniel. I'm not sure about that. I mean, Skyfall was extremely well re- uh, received and still is lauded till this day. But I think if you if you poll people, if we put a Twitter poll, which maybe we should, uh, you know, is the definitive Daniel film thus far Casino Royale and Sky? I think Casino Royale would come out on top. Depends on who you ask. Because I, when I ask people from different regions of the world, uh, I guess most people still see Bond as an action hero than a British icon. So, when you ask people like in the North Americas, the typical answer I typically get is Casino Royale. But when I'm overseas, and you guys get to talk about how much I travel overseas, <laughs> but, <laughs> basically uh, you're our resident James Bond. <laughs> thank you. And uh, but uh, whenever I ask people overseas, um, in France, the Netherlands, 
Germany, and definitely, and pretty much it was unanimous in, when I was in the UK. Uh, Skyfall, everyone always pinpointed Skyfall as the definitive Daniel Craig movie. And one reason I saw that was um, I don't think it was just a good James Bond film, which it was. I mean, it won the Bapt- it won the best British film at the Baptist for a reason. It was a lightning in a bottle moment because like it was the Queen's 60th Jubilee year oh, in, that's the, true. in 2012. The London Olympics yeah. were going on, mm-hmm. so the Eon production didn't have to spend much on marketing. <laughs> so they, fair point. <laughs> so Britain was at an all-time nationalistic pride, and so. A lot of people. There's also the franchise's 50th anniversary. Oh yes, yeah. A lot, a lot of like the stars aligned almost. It seems to make that one as popular. Thankfully, it's a good movie. Yeah, that helped. And thankfully, it was a good movie. I mean, I always say, even if it was as bad as Die Another Day, which came out in the 40th anniversary, it would that movie, his Skyfall, would have done financially well. But because of the lightning in a bottle moment, it went on to becoming at the time the seventh highest grossing film of all time. I don't know what it is now, but it's still the highest grossing. Bond film of all time, even after inflation is taken, which yeah, I thought uh, was very intriguing. It's on t- it topped uh, Thunderball, I think, for asses on in seat. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Thunderball was the. Oh, is ticket sold? Skyfall's taken number one. Oh, for yeah. sure. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I Skyfall. thought Thunderball still had that. No, okay, no. Skyfall. Oh wow. Okay, a, man. Even like with inflation, I think it, it beat it. Not by much, I think, but it still. But t- I mean, I like ticket sold. Ticket yeah. sold profits. Really, I mean. Like I said, uh, that movie, I, kn- I know some people dislike the movie for other reasons too, but um, many people saw Skyfall as a very definitive British film, so that's why many will point towards uh, Skyfall being the definitive Daniel Craig, Craig film. I have no arguments from, from me. I, I've, you know, Casino Royale or Skyfall, you know, that's too quite a, What's the definitive Daniel film and what's the one I like more? I, I, I don't know what my answer to either of those two is, to be honest. I think probably it's most people, if you did a survey, it would probably be a 50% Skyfall, 50% uh, Casino Royale. It's probably uh, 50-50, my guess is. But a lot of people, I still people who are Bond fans still say, oh, Skyfall. And I asked them mm. about Casino Royale and like, eh. I'm like, really? Yeah, people. What kind of so, freaks do uh, you hang out with? <laughs> well, I've, I had a friend. He said he didn't like it. I was like, <laughs> uh, we're talking about the ones from the 1950s, the one in the <laughs> 1960s, no, the one with Daniel Craig. Hmm. I, I actually know one or two people that aren't too. Good. But then again, it's like going back to the spy who loved me. Like that's their jam. So yeah. if it's the the moments are a little too serious, they it, they sort of tune out. That I can actually understand. That that's like a logical reason why maybe you wouldn't love you why why you wouldn't fall in love uh, with Casino Royale, which does take itself mostly seriously. Um, but it works as a it's a it's a soulful picture. It's a lot of contemplation and uh, no, I, I I can see why people might say that's their favorite, the definitive Craig one. Oh, for sure, because um, I remember when I rewatched the film with both my mom and my sister at the time um they were shocked when i i guess like around midpoint when they're finally in montenegro what's said in montenegro <laughs> not not montenegro itself because i know i know that you guys will know but anyway um when they're when vesper and bond finally um, start meshing and having good chemistry um both my mom and sister were very shocked they're like well, they asked me in the middle of the film they're like Hey, are we actually watching a Bond film or are we watching a like a romance drama? Because mm-hmm. like this is actually really well done. Like, 
Like especially this the, is ac- this is actually a good one. <laughs> this is because uh, like you know whenever you think of Bond, Bond girls, you always think of the like the disposable woman. The, mm, mm. I mean, sadly, mm. and a lot, the, a lot of the quote unquote the bimbos of the sixties, yeah. the, the merry good nights of the franchise. Yeah, who I have a connection with, by the way. <laughs> you did mention that off air. I mean, I think the listeners have to understand something. It's it. This goes beyond the fact that we all met as we were lining up to meet George Lazenby. Jason is a special, special person. He, world traveler. Uh, the stories you told us a lot of stories before we hit record. Not necessarily bond related, but some of them were, some of them weren't. But just about the places you've been and the, and the people you've seen. Uh, but yeah, you just seem to have like you were at a hostel, which you can see in the background in Tomorrow Never Dies. You know someone whose aunt is Brit Ek- Britt Eklund. You were a hair away from seeing Mon Adams a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have like the most like awesome tangential or or. Cut- sort of like semi-direct like links to James Bond it's quite it's exciting I feel like we have someone from the franchise on the show actually <laughs> just looking at at your Instagram picture it just mm, makes me makes me salivate salivate with the locations that you visit Lake Como uh, Peace Glory that you mentioned I don't know if I saw your pictures but I mean if you want to tell people that your Twitter handle, uh, the end of your Twitter, your Instagram handle, so you can follow you because uh, you post a lot of good pictures. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm still working on my photography skills. <laughs> <laughs> and so modest as well. <laughs> uh, I'm not that. I'm still working on that. But, you know, not, not to divert too far, but all. I really enjoyed uh, just as much as going to as many Bond locations. Uh, I really enjoyed climbing to Prekestolen in Norway where the Mission Impossible Fallout finale was filmed as well. Too. We don't talk about non-Bond franchises on this show. Oh, we don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we probably should. We've actually had conversations behind the scenes about yeah. maybe talking about either Fallout or, or the series as a whole in one episode. We had a Batman. No, what? Yeah, you Gotham had a Bat- City Gotham Detour. The Gotham City Detour. <laughs> so we might have a... Uh, should you choose to accept it, detour? It's uh, a little long-winded. I don't know. I IMF don't know. Uh, connection. I guess maybe. No, I think just I think they're two separate franchises. I, there are definitely a lot of connections from those two franchises, and um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think if you guys ever want to do an episode, you guys should do one just on Fallout, so it doesn't dive too far. Because like that, you know, it's it is six movies. Talking about like reviewing six movies in a, in inside an hour or an hour and a half would be kind of tough. But uh, I think Fallout has enough talking points as itself. Oh, for I mean, sure. I mean, I went to all the places. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Not, I mean, Norway specifically this year, but uh, I've been to London and Paris. I haven't been to New Zealand, but, you know. What, what part is in So, the- in the climax scene, uh, the hospital clinic. Oh, that's New Zealand. Well, it's filmed in New Zealand. There's a no movie there somewhere else. But the helicopter chase where Tom Cruise is doing the spirals, like, man, I, I have no words for him, but just pure amazement. But, uh, I know. Did yeah, you see it on IMAX? I did. Yeah, I, we saw oh, it on we IMAX, saw it on too. IMAX. It's gorgeous. Oh, geez, Louise. But seeing Prickestone in real life was better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take your word for it. That, that I have no trouble believing. I mean, you guys saw my pictures, too. So. Oh, yes, yeah. we yeah. did. I, didn't, I personally didn't dangle off a rope on the side of the Prickestone like Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill did it. But I put my foot off the ledge and people thought I was crazy. You sat on the same soil. Yeah. Or you, 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 you stood and you sat on the same soil as Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill. So yeah. Superman and uh, Maverick fought. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's already more than we've done. Uh, I guess getting back to Bond, so like, do you, of the six uh, official actors that have portrayed the role, do you have a personal favorite and, and why? Roger will always have a place in my heart. Mm. Because like, I mean, p- people give him criticism for his 
lack of seriousness, but uh, if you actually examine the way he portrayed the role, um, it was actually very brilliant because he was the first successful actor to take on and move the series forward from Sean Connery. Not yeah. even Sean Connery, when he returned twice, could do it himself. So, <laughs> Those are great points. God bless it's, you, it, Roger. It's true that he, made, he allowed the series to uh, expand uh, mm. beyond just the limits of the 1960s. Because, I mean, we're going to talk about Spy, uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, but that's definitely a 1970s movie. But it's a great spectacle. It's not like a... It was released the same year as um, as Star Wars. Mm. And it's yeah. just... It's a grand spectacle movie. And this performance... like it, uh, We'll get there when we get there, but I see what you mean. But, but, but the fact that he made... Um, he was able to make the the franchise evolve and continue. And even when you compare, we've been doing the books as Patreon is not that far off from the books, especially uh, the, the spy who loved me novel is a novel. Um, he's pretty jokey in, in, mm. in that particular book. I don't know if you've read any of the Fleming. Oh, I have. And they're a lot more darker. Roger will always have a special place in my heart as many Brits will say, but I would say from the six actors, uh, Daniel Craig is my favorite. I mean, for various reasons, um, in terms of his portrayal, his dedication, and this is my personal favorite, but uh, it's not going to apply to everyone else, but uh, he was the first actor, if not, he was the first actor maybe since Roger Moore, or the only actor who's actually actively came to Korea to market his Bond films, and when he came to Korea, um, for when he was um, doing the press review press interviews for Casino Royale um, he didn't give any just straight just like you know like scripted answers mm-hmm. um, he gave very genuine answers and he listed his favorite Korean movies at the time which you gotta remember Daniel Craig is not a he's not Korean he's not he's not he's not an A-list actor but he came from a very indie film background so he understood the um, critic critically claimed Korean movies and the ones that were kind of like off the market and he was able to name all of them and describe them really well so that really um, do you caught remember, my attention. Do you remember which uh, some of the ones he named? He named Old Boy I mean, which was kind of obvious because yeah. yeah, this is 2006. At that time, yeah. And he named like Sympathy of Lady Vengeance. That's, I do like that one. I, that one actually might be my favorite of that trilogy. Hmm, okay. And, yeah. and he named another one called Memories of a Murder which m- most people outside of Korea wouldn't know and I was like, wow, this guy... I was like, he actually knows his stuff, and so. I, I know that title, but I can't. It's a claim to have seen it, though. I mean, it came out in two thousand two, so it was like when Korean cinema was kind of like getting its finding its wings internationally. Yeah, internationally. So yeah. it was like mostly known only in Korea. So. Huh. Huh. That's that's awesome. And would you say is there um is there a Bond film? That you maybe would put at the bottom of the list, oh, not absolutely. to get to. Oh, absolutely. Abso- oh, absolutely! Oh my goodness, ladies uh, and gentlemen, please listen in. Uh, die another day without a question. <laughs> we haven't re- we we have a little way to go before yeah. we review that one. I don't know when we're gonna do How that. How are you guys one. doing this anyway? Like cr- cr- uh, the way the books were written chronologically, titles were yeah. chronologically. Yeah, that's, that's Alphabet- alphabetically. Alphabetically, <laughs> the titles. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we're, do- we're doing uh, the films in the order of the books were released. But after the men with the golden gun, we haven't decided. I know we're probably going to do Colonel Sun. Yeah. And, we're and thinking of Colonel Sun being. The, I mean, it's the obvious one. The first 
post-Fleming There's episode. There's also the, uh, the uh, authorized biography I really want to do. You've been, yeah, you've been saying that a lot, actually. I have a copy. I, you must have a copy somewhere, too. I'm uh, actually, I know, but I want, I want to get the same one you have. That's a pretty <laughs> yeah, long nice. lady on the cover. That's an interesting upgrade, if you can call it an upgrade of Honey Rider. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so may we, may we, uh, may we pry for more information? What is it maybe about Dino? Of all of the movies, Jason, you could have flipped, selected to put them at the bottom of the list. Why? In heaven's name would you choose Die Another Day, please? As an engineer, oh yeah, you guys never mentioned I was an engineer, <laughs> but automotive engineer, but, uh, I wasn't too bothered by the Invisible Vanquish as much. I mean, some of the CGI was terribly done. Um, yeah. Well, CGI. That the funny thing about CGI, it has it has trouble aging sometimes. It, though. It, and it's it, it's overdone. I think the same company that did the first Harry Potter, and if you rewatch that movie, the CGI is horrible. It's the same company. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, I mean, uh, I felt like the movie did come out at the 40th anniversary I'm not gonna lie when I watched it with my father at the, dad at the time when I was in 8th grade when, when it came out I, I enjoyed the experience but not the film itself mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no I, I can probably understand that it, it would sort of be like uh, it would sort of like being show up to a Bond premiere and oh wow you're in London oh there are famous faces there and oh it's a great night it's a great night to do my then you finally see the movie and you're like well yeah, whatever but it was great being in london for the premiere you know mm-hmm. every one of those things you know but um <laughs> yeah there's some weird stuff in that movie i can't almost in a perverse fashion i'm almost like really excited to do that and one we're, the weird, just because we're gonna have so much to talk about the weird so. thing about that that movie is that it's more or less moonraker and we no it, i thought moonraker the book moonraker moon, yeah oh yeah it definitely was the, it was definitely a lot more closer to the Moonraker novelization with the way that villain was categorized. And speaking of which, that's one of the reasons why I really dislike the movie because <laughs> the way to- Toby Stevens, that actor's name, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. His Korean pronunciation was really awful. You would know. That's true. You would know. But uh, it wasn't just him. Even the Korean, the quote unquote, the Korean actors were terrible, <laughs> just as terrible too. So I was like, I can't do this anymore, guys. Isn't isn't. Rick, uh, yeah, is he not? I mean, he's the, from the United States, yes, but he's Korean American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe he's, maybe English is his first language. I, I mean, mean it's like, the Eon is a fourteen billion dollar franchise. I don't think it costs that much to hire an actor who could speak proper Korean. Yeah, they probably they probably the negotiations would probably be pretty short. Do you want to be in the next Bond movie? Yep. <laughs> Where do I sign? And uh, maybe this uh, this is kind of going off tangent, but uh. Uh, maybe as a Korean, like a lot of um, way, Western media, not or specifically Hollywood, portrays North Korea isn't very accurate. It's not always the madmen and stuff. And and if you actually watch Korean cinema, sp- specifically the ones that deal with the North and South Korean tension, the ones that are always successful, usually doesn't s- specifically set North Korea as the adversary of the film, but it's usually. Uh, behind the powers that's always mm. set as the adversary so I don't think a lot of ho- I don't think Hollywood and s- Hollywood screenwriters really understand attention well enough to put it into a movie so that's another reason why I dislike the movie and the movie also came out at the 40th anniversary and I felt a lot of the mages were f- too forced in than feeling organic as they were in Skyfall or Spectre for instance uh, in the planes 
climax in Die Another Day, uh, the North Korean um, henchman just pops out and you know makes Pierce Brosnan's Bond miss misfire his gun and the uh, airplane goes into um, uh, uh, what's that tumble uh, turbulence mode turbulence yeah that's and right. there and that that was a clear homage to Goldfinger but I felt that was a little too forced and it was just like I thought that one was too forced <laughs> just the, the Q, Q lab sequence is just oh, look I at all this old stuff we have in the background. That, oh, actually, that one I actually didn't mind. I actually oh. didn't mind that at, at, at all. It's it's for me. It's the the other Goldfinger reference. The the laser, lasers everywhere, spinning. Like why would there be a button and on that machine for the lasers to shoot everywhere? Why are there so many lasers? <laughs> yeah, like, that too. It's the guy happening? who brought us a uh, triple um, X State of the Nation. Yeah. Okay. Another great movie. <laughs> Ice Cube. Yeah, yeah, with Ice Cube. Cube. Yeah. You know, like when I watched that movie, uh, my initial reaction was, when did Joel Schumacher start making Bond movies? That's <laughs> uh, yeah. true. It is like a Joel Schumacher Bond, Bond movie. Wow. I, 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 could, I could appreciate if someone actually was confused by that. I could, I could actually see that. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you brought up a, an element I wanted to question you about. Um, since you're an automotive engineer, so which, which Bond car is, in your personal professional opinion, Either the best or the most possible, or which one do you want to own? What I want to own, actually, uh, as an automotive engineer, uh, I think the most brilliant one is definitely the DB10 in some terms of engineering, the design, the way, the lightweightness of the car, the, the its use of carbon fiber. Because I saw it in person in London. It's so great, sexy. Great acceleration and still a manual. So, but the it's one, my personal favorite, actually. It's one of my favorites, and and I I know I'm in the minority, but I thought this car chase scene in Spectre was brilliant because a lot of the stunt sequences in that film is what I do for a living. So, so it was realistic. So that's why I liked it. And and you got to perspective, see, interesting. And perspective. you got to see all of Rome in no way. I mean, who else? What other? Do you honestly think the Vatican will let any other film or film franchise film there, let alone drift in the Vatican <laughs> Square like that? So, I mean, I thought this—I thought the chase sequence was brilliant, and it certainly—it certainly made. It's a little weird that the streets are empty. It's, it's Rome after all, but it, it certainly looks beautiful at night. Having been there, Rome is—you're not the only one that's traveled. I've been to Rome. I have it, it is a beautiful city, and it's a beautiful city at night. So I, it I, is. I do remember that sequence looking very, very beautiful. I, I still could not wrap my head around the fact that the streets were totally barren, <laughs> but no, it looked very nice. No, at nighttime it kind of becomes a little more empty. Uh, the only part, uh, the only qualm I had was when he unfortunately uh, crashes the. The DB10 into the Tiber. If you're worried about the Kai parked it at the bottom of the Tiber, <laughs> and he presses the ejector seat and does it, and Daniel does a very brilliant Roger Moore moment um, later on. Uh, I remember, I was like, man, I remember there being a nightclub at that scene. What happened to the nightclub? because ah. I went to the nightclub by. That's where uh, Bond went. That's where he's relaxing after this stressful chase. <laughs> but uh, that nightclub di- disappeared in that movie. But besides that, I thought the chase was brilliant and. But the one car I would love to own, it it's still one of my favorite Bond cars of all time. And I, there are two. One, the first is, they're not in um, any categorical ranking or anything, but the first is obviously the Lotus Esprit because mm. I think 
that design, which was very similar to the Lamborghini Countach, was a very 70s design, very Italian too, because it was mm. filmed in Sardinia. Um, I have the designer's name for you, by the way. Uh, uh, he didn't himself design it, but it's similar to uh, Marcello Gandini's design of the, okay. that very um, spaceship, streamlined yeah. design look. It's funny. I was at the Montreal Auto Show. There's a Montreal Auto Show that happens in January. It's like the only thing that happens in this town. There weren't many Lotuses, but there were one of one or two. And, and even the modern ones, you can sort of see a little bit of the esprit in there. There's like it's more maybe a little sleeker, but yeah, they're, they're still adhering to that template sort of. Yeah, because I really like that sev- that seventies design. That not just Lotus took uh, the Manchil Gandini's design, but. Uh, the Lamborghini Countaches, some of the Ferraris, Pintafarina, if I, um, if I remember correctly, um, they took that kind of like the spaceship, uh, very streamlined design, and that's what I liked. I mean, it's yes. very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable to get into, and it's not the most user friendly car to drive, especially when you're rear, um, driving backwards because like because <laughs> of all the blind spots. But, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's and the second car, uh, the one car I would love to own was typically. Timothy Dalton's Aston Martin Vantage. That is a good one, yeah. I do like that one. That's a good one. That's that's still that's 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 my favorite. Oh, it's your favorite? Yeah. I didn't know it was your favorite. Because I, I don't know. I, it's one of the first one I saw, and just the thing with the skis and the, the all the gadgets, the features that had, I'm like it caught my imagination. Oh, even without the gadgets, I thought it was an excellent car. I'll believe you. <laughs> No, it, I mean it looks from a visual standpoint. I mean, I, I'm no, I'm not a mechanical um, engineer. My apologies, Jason. <laughs> but certainly, ju- certainly, just as 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 uh, aesthetics go, I actually think it's a really nice looking car. It's aesthetic. It's a it's very, a, it's a it's shaped like a muscle car, but it's not a muscle car. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. No, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, I, I, I guess. Do we, I mean we've we've been rolling for a little over half an hour. That's- Bring a, bring a big subject that's going on. We already did our brown debriefing. This is probably coming out this Wednesday, so uh, it's going to be George George Lizenby's birthday. But uh, Bond twenty five thoughts, opinion, feelings, go. Hit us, hit us. You know, contrary to everyone's uh, assumptions, as much of a Bond fan I am, I personally am not too uh, thrown off by the potential delay. I think it will be a delay. I, don't, I think it still could meet its 2019 deadline, but I think it, it will eventually be a delay knowing how um, Hollywood production cycle goes. And I may have said this before because I'm a world traveler. Um, if I, if <laughs> I like how he prefaces it <laughs> because if, I'm a world traveler. <laughs> I won't, if Bond 20, 925 is delayed, then I won't have the pressure of attending another premiere. Because so, if I were to attend another premiere, that's five days I would have to devote to London. In you November, live, you live a or October, really hard life, Jason. <laughs> in October, actually, because like, don't don't get me wrong. Like when I went to the Spectre premiere three Halloweens ago, that was one of the. I'd Must have been that, awesome. Oh, it was excellent. It was one of my three favorite Halloweens of my life. I mean, I think Halloween's my favorite holiday in general, but that was one of the three top three Halloweens of my life ever. Nice, quite fitting because the whole there's the whole Day of the Dead theme 
going on in that and movie. Then, oh, yeah. And then after the after party was at the British Museum with all the nice. day-to-day uh, scaffolds. Yeah, not at, at the National, uh, the at, National Arts Gallery? No, the British Museum. Oh, the, which oh, one is that? That's the one where the the real Rosetta Stone is. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha, which is gotcha, also gotcha. an excellent museum to go to. Yeah, I don't think I actually went to that one when I was in London. Hmm. I went to every... Because oh, I've seen everything in London, but I, I always... Don't get me wrong. When I say uh, I'm not too... Uh, thrown off by the delay don't get me wrong i love london as a city i i would love to go back i mean i will go back let's put it that way but i would rather spend five six days going going off to another place i haven't yeah. been no i feel you i feel you I, I i did fall in love with london those i think i i think it was new year's 2015 i celebrated that in london so it was we're coming on to four years ago so it's still fresh in my mind. I absolutely loved it. Like day one, I fell in love with that place. And and my the reason I'm sort of coming from the opposite. I will, I'd like to know your thoughts, but I I really don't want there to be a, a delay because in my mind for like months I've been like, yes, great excuse to go back to London, Bond Twenty Five premiere. And now it's like oh, it might be another year. <laughs> and then then another topic was there's a lot of great directors out there. Um, it's not the end of the world that Daniel Boyle left because I think there's a lot of great talent in Britain oh, yeah. specifically and or I mean in just showbiz in general and the three directors that I would love to see direct a Bond film is are Edgar Wright David McKenzie which he's one of the front runners but which what has he done? He just done Hell, Hell, Hell High, High Water. Water. That's the one I heard. Yeah. That's the one I heard. And he it's a good a, movie. It's I haven't a, seen it but I heard good things about and it. And he did a, another British film uh Prior to that, which was also excellent, so he definitely understands kind of the British feel. What was his other British film? I, mean, I can't remember. I can't recall the title. Hold I on. thought that was actually his first movie. No, no, no. He's done films for a while. Oh, okay. Jeez, I never heard of the name until Harrow High Water*. And then uh, he he's recently doing another film with Chris Pine again about uh, Richard the Bruce or Robert the Bruce. I mean, oh, I've seen pictures of that. Wow, it's and the Chris Pine looks really, really haggard and old in those pictures. A very underrated actor, if you ask me, Chris Pine. Yeah, I'm oh, a yeah. big Chris Pine fan. Would be a good Felix Slater. He would be a good Felix Slater. Oh, that the movie is called Start Up. That's what it was called. Okay, I don't know that one. Don't know. I guess I discovered him through Hell on High Water, oh, yeah, which I actually liked a lot. Which I, I did too. It's on Netflix. I'll watch it. I promise. No, it's an excellent movie. It's very well done, and, and also David Mackenzie's Scottish, so we could bring back the <laughs> Scottish roots back to. And so, also well, I thought there was a third director. You so Edgar Wright, David McKinnon, McKenzie, McKenzie excuse me. Uh, no, that's what was the third director? <laughs> right, uh, I had it in my. I mean, obviously the Chris Nolan, Chris Nolan. Well, that's the dream. That's, that's the dream. That's, but that's, that's not, fantasy. That's not happening. That, that's not happening. But uh, Denis Villeneuve, who's up from Montreal, will yes, be good. yes. And if it gets delayed, maybe it can. Co- maybe uh, it's enough time for Dune to be finished and. Then evil now can join. Or doomed to be cancelled. <clears throat> I know about that. That that'd be a heck of a one two punch. Remake do, well remake. Readapt Dune, then go from that to a bond set. Like, whoa, that's that's heavy material there. Or that's a that's a heavy workload, mm-hmm. yeah. I should say. I don't know. I do like the Denis Villeneuve. obviously being from the same not just the same province, the same city as him, you know, I I've seen pretty much all of his movies and he's a fantastic filmmaker. Like what what has he done that even though I might love, I yes, this man should make a Bond movie. I can't really put my finger on anything. But can you say that about any other Bond director? 
I think what's special about if we're going to put aside Forster and Mendes just for a moment, I think what's interesting about the Bond directors uh, is that a lot of them are workmanlike, like they're good soldiers for yeah. the company. It's only, and I think we were actually we actually talked about this in the in the debrief the earlier this, this afternoon. It's only as of Mark Forster that Barbara and Michael seem so steadfast on well, we need a prestige director. We need to get some of that inner sense character and drama. Now, in fairness, Skyfall is a masterpiece. But I I don't feel they should be obsessed with that. I mean, the reason why they got to celebrate a 50th anniversary is because of these talented, diligent, dutiful, good soldiers uh, that were creative in their own ways, but they weren't Mark Forster's or Sam Mendes's. So I find it interesting that ever since... And you even you pointed it out. Um, there's only one of those three movies that's really lauded. The other two are not lauded. So, like, why are they so obsessed with the prestige director? I mean, I something? think that's just the way showbiz is going these days. I don't think... I think you're right. I, the whole, like, nepotism and promoting from within doesn't really work in today's showbiz. I mean, look at the Marvel franchises. Like, they don't really get a second unit director. Hey, make the next movie. They get directors of different realms some came from very critically panned realms like um, the guy who did Doctor Strange he didn't technically make any good movies until Doctor Strange he made one of the Hellraiser sequels oh really yeah like one I, of the I, didn't, really I don't know what ones. his that background is I'd never heard of him until no, Doctor Strange I don't remember which one but that's his background and uh, you get someone like Peyton Reed who focused mostly on comedies, comedies and, yeah. and now he did Ant-Man which I thought he did a fantastic job because he I know Edgar you're not a huge fan but I thought he did a he did what the script told him to do and that's what, that's all you, all you can really ask from a director and speaking of which um, the original director of Ant-Man was supposed to be Edgar right yeah, yeah. and he he got kind of forced out or he left on creative differences the <laughs> same way that sounds Dan, familiar <laughs> just the way Daniel Boyle did so a lot of people say um yeah, if I, a lot of people are hesitant if Edgar Wright will take it because he knows how franchises work. But I think he do, he do a fantastic job. First, he's already worked with two previous Bond actors, yep. and he's written good uh, he's written good articles about the Bond franchise himself. And, oh, has he? And I and to me, a key factor to making a good Bond movie is under not just being a good director or working well with directors and you know good edits whatever but is to specifically understand the Bond franchise itself and love the Bond franchise because I mean when you get you get I you get some people that I mean the rumors that leaked or, or were whatever the rumors that uh, they were you wanted to uh, Danny Bond wanted to kill Bond or I uh, oh, wanted. Ridiculous. There was there was a lot of weird stuff that came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we don't need to analyze fake news. <laughs> no, I know, I know, but it's just that whether they're real or not, somebody somebody believes somebody that said those it's things. Tabloid fodder. But it's mm-hmm. just the the like if it's true, it's just absurd. If it's they're true, hey, they're probably f- fake. But I mean, I I, under, I understand the point about Danny Boyle being a very independent-minded director. His filmography demonstrates that quite plainly. He's not a moron. He didn't go into that office saying, you know what, I think we should kill Bond in this one. No, he's not stupid. I mean, when, I mean we need uh, our, the, those great uh, inve- <laughs> journalistic investigators, A.J. Chowdhury and Matthew 
feel it's the guys from some kind of hero some kind of hero the book oh yes yeah we need that we need those guys on the case <laughs> we need them on the case i want to find out what happened in those meetings vo- vo- volume two of some kind of hero yeah that'd be awesome uh, was I mean we, we got to remember we we do have a spy who left me review to do do we want to uh, anything is there anything a, is there a topic you want to broach I think but realistic I think Martin Campbell sh- should direct because like he introduced it so let's see him and another book he introduced two let's he, see close the book yeah he see him close the book yeah yeah actually if if I could like. Choose, I would say, like, Martin, you're doing this. Ma- Martin Campbell, to me... He can redeem himself from Green- for Green Lantern this way, too. <laughs> Actually, is he still trying to redeem himself? The Legend of Zorro is much, much, much worse picture than Green Lantern. I'll, go, I'll, I'll bat for Green Lantern. Which uh, one is the first one? Mask or Legend? Mask. Mask, mask, is, okay. mask is great. Mask legend is an abomination. Okay. So bad. Legend... I. I came out of that screening angry. Like, Ouch. <laughs> I, two, I don't think I've seen that. There's yet. two movies I came out and I was like pissed off because the movies was, uh, and th- this movie and um, Ang Lee's Hulk. Mm. Oh, well, that's, that's for the Marvel, pod, uh, the Marvel complex. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're, yeah. We're, we're, think, I think we're... I guess we'll wrap up here. Unless there's like just a, a, another Bond topic in general you want to you wanna talk about? Nothing. I think we covered quite a bit. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground. We now, now that we know who Jason Kim is, we can actually do a review. Yeah, it would have been a little bit weird. Here's a spy who let me review and then introduce Kim. So uh, Jason. No, so. Normally, we close this episode. The episode next, the, the week after, is going to be the Spy Who Love Me book, and Jason will be back with us for the Spy Who Love Me okay. the movie. All right. So. We'll just share a little bit of our social media platforms right now. We have people everywhere. We're at the www.thejamesbondcomplex.com. Uh, please join the fun on our Facebook page. Uh, search for us at the James Bond Complex. We have a Twitter account at the Bond Complex. We have an Instagram account. Search for the James Bond Complex. Our good friends at Anchor.com are hosting us. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, obviously, please uh, subscribe and 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 uh, download us on Google Play. And, of course, there's always good old iTunes. I'm an iTunes man. I've made my bed. I'm an iTunes man. So uh, subscribe, put us in your feed, review, and uh, give us a uh, five-star Golden Gun review. We always appreciate it. Uh, me and Matthew are on Twitter individually. I'm at double O pop. That's the word double underscore O-H underscore pop. I'm at uh, Matt O'Claire with two T's. Oh, we have YouTube. I, that's the one I keep. I think yeah, I've done the old version so often, and new, YouTube is new. I keep forgetting that. We're on YouTube, so obviously just search for the James Bond Complex and, and, and subscribe and give us a few thumbs up there. That'd be nice. Uh, Jason, where are you? What's your uh, social media presence? Uh, just mostly Instagram. I don't have Twitter or YouTube accounts. Nor do you need them. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who uses them, you don't need You it. don't need them. Uh, so just as James Bond always returns, even in Bond 25, uh, so too with the James Bond complex uh, with Ian Fleming's 1962's The Spy Who Loved Me. Merci beaucoup. À la prochaine. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs>